Welcome to the Second Is For Everyone podcast. We welcome all people, regardless of race, gender, political party, sexual orientation, or background, to learn about your Second Amendment civil rights and the many facets of firearms ownership. Welcome to the Second Is For Everyone podcast, episode 47. 10 millimeter is the new 40. What's going on, John? Uh, really, uh, that's a really magical title you got there. Uh, people are like, wait, because I listen to the show, um, you know, after after it's released, after we do everything, and it's almost every show I'm laughing, and no one's asked me in the emails, but I'll go ahead and say it. The reason I'm laughing is because I usually make up the name for the show while we're connecting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like while 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 we're trying to connect, I make up the name. So, <clears throat> what's going on, man? Uh, what's been happening with you in the time? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me introduce Sean Fisher of Black Bag Resources, my best friend, foe life, and owner of the Snow Leopard AR-15. What's going on, buddy? That's why I hate you. You can't you can't ever just be nice, can you? I'm nice right now. No. no that's, that's not nice. That's not What's nice. Like T Gray. <laughs> like T Gray. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've got I've got this project I'm working on that has pretty much set the internet on fire. And what do I get from you? Aggravation. Wow. Yeah. Um, for your information, that thing is kind of all over the place right now. It's been reshared by I don't even know people. Oh Mandor, yeah, our uh, arms went and started a contest <laughs> with that photo because nice. people are so excited about it. So yeah, so there, there, there you go, there you go. <laughs> um, what have I done? Oh, did some uh, <clears throat> did some dry fire. That, that's pretty much what I did with the gun. Uh, I told you guys last week I'd contacted uh, CZ Custom Shop uh, to try to uh, see if I could get my springs redone in my CZ 75, and I'm still on that quest. I found some 10-round mags, but they're $55 each. And um, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, okay, <clears throat> spring job, send the gun out, have work done on it have it come back, buy the $55 magazines. How much closer is that to just buying a new firearm? <laughs> you know what I mean? Pretty much. It's like, it's, it's after you spend the money, how much closer uh, financially? I mean, how much money am I going to spend and still end up with an all metal 40 something, 50 something ounce, 40 something ounce handgun? Or I can just buy something new in polymer. So I'm still on my quest. So I, all I've done really is dry fire since last week. I want, wanted to make a range trip, but I've been under the weather. So I went, no, I'm not making a range trip. <laughs> what have you, uh, and I know <clears throat> I reached out on NRA's app, the NRA ILA app, and I asked for some names for the snow leopard since you're, you're resisting the coolest name in the universe. You're an idiot. So, so uh, <laughs> I think it was uh, something like what? Whiteout, Avalanche, Wraith. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, a bunch, there's a bunch of cool ones out there. Um, 
I haven't been on NRA ILA in a little bit. I got to get back on there. Um, but like I said, Matador shared it and, and they put it out there. Hey, uh, our friends and, and one of our dealers built this rifle and needs a name for it. So if you come up with a, a cool name and we, we pick yours, they're going to send you a Matador Arms apparel package, which I don't have any specific details as what's in there, but they make a bunch of cool shirts and hats and all kinds of neat things. So I would assume that's where that's headed. Um, so they, have that cool, they have that cool PVC patch too. Yeah. Yeah, I have one of those. <laughs> I have a lot. <laughs> and I may have been on the phone with them until like two o'clock in the morning last night because I like them that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because they're really friends of ours. It's just worked out their way. They're decent human beings. Um, they want people they're in business with to succeed and they help out any way they can. And that's awesome. Yeah. They're just really rad people. I mean, like there's no two ways about it. I deal with Annika all the time. I know you've talked to Nolan a couple of times, but I'm always going back and forth with Annika and she is absolutely phenomenal. Can't say enough good things about her. And, and I think, um, I don't know. I'm sure that influences our opinion of their products, right? That they're good people. But why wouldn't you want to support people and make great products? Yeah. If the stuff didn't work, I wouldn't talk about it. No. It's like, wow, I really like them, but blah, blah, blah doesn't work. So I just won't mention it. Right. Not, not like that. Uh, so actually fiddling with my, uh, my saber tooth chassis and <laughs> full length optics rail extended magazine release. What else do I have for Matador on here? A whole bunch of stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to do the installation of the, uh, the sidewinder folding adapter. So nice. I'm kind of tinkering with it. I don't really have a free hand while I'm doing the show, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm messing around with it anyway. Uh, yeah. So I guess we haven't done that much this week. Um, what I want to say is though, thanks to everyone that donated to the GoFundMe today. I thought that was awesome. We had four people that actually sent money through to the GoFundMe. Really appreciate that. Especially with, uh, the great American outdoor show coming up to you guys out there who want to get in on the various things that we're going to have for our patrons. You can join Patreon. And become a 5 or a $10 above member, or even more, whatever you choose to donate every month. We might come up with different levels because the stuff we're going to get away give away is, is going to go up and up and up. But beginning of February, someone is going to get um, the January patch of the month from uh, Patriot Patch Company. Mm-hmm. We're going to give that away. Just going to uh, post it up on uh, Instagram again next week while we run the show and give it away the week after that. Because we're going to be an, on location the week after that. I didn't tell you. We got a date. So <laughs> we're going to be at a, we're going to do a remote, as they call it, in the business. You and I, Cobra One oh. Tactical. I'm not available. That's okay. 
That's okay. They haven't met you yet anyway, so we can still be on good terms. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm sure that's going to be fine. We just got to figure out what night we're doing it and work that out with my work schedule. But yeah. I'll just I'll just bring my nephew and tell him that he's you. Roll with no, no one would ever fall for that. <laughs> uh, all right. You want to come back and we're going to talk about legislation? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did it a little different this time, mainly because it annoyed me last time. <laughs> Can't stand bad news. Be right back, guys. Episode 47. 10 millimeter is the new 40. We're on the legislation. We're talking about some good news this time. Out of West Virginia, House Bill 2519. This bill wants to allow concealed carry holders to carry on state college campuses. Right now, if you are a concealed carry holder or concealed carrier in West Virginia, you can carry on the campus unless the campus says you can't. Then if you're a staff member, um, they can fire you. And if you're a student, they can throw you out of school. Well, this new bill they're proposing um, removes their ability to do any of that and makes it legal to carry at state schools. So I think that's an awesome thing. That means all those people that I don't know are adults going back to school who have concealed carry permits, they can carry. All those people who are military or former military that, again, are responsible adults to carry, they don't have to disarm themselves just because they're seeking a higher education. So I I think that's really good news, but you really need to call your representatives if you live in West Virginia and tell them to vote yes for House Bill 2519 because they want to hear from you. Well, they need to hear from you. You need to participate in your legislation. If not, they don't know how their constituents feel and they may bow to political pressure or abstain from voting or any other kind of silliness. So these people work for you. Make the phone calls, send the email, and make them aware that they work for you. And down the national. Now they know. What's up? Because if they don't know, now they know. Exactly. Work for you. Act like it. Call them up. There's no shame. Actually, I don't know. I put a little heat on it sometimes when I call up. Like, yeah, that's right. It's me. Pick up. Don't be hiding. <laughs> I know you're there listening to this. Pick up the phone. <laughs> like your mom used to do on the answer machine back in the day. It's like, mom, it, it doesn't play in the living room. It, this is not the beginning of the rock for files when you're leaving a message. I, just the phone rings and then it stops ringing. I, I don't hear anything in the house. On a national level, please call your legislators and tell them to vote no on H.R. 8 and S. 42, the universal background check bills that they're trying to push through. They stink. We explained it a little last week, and if you're one of the people that didn't listen to last week's awesome show, it's missing. 
it, it was great. I was great. You you were okay. You were mediocre, but you know, I'm used to carrying your weight. Um the universal background check is really a misnomer, and they intentionally say that. It is not about giving people background checks. It's about slowing down your transfer or handing off a gun, even at the range. It's about killing the firearms culture by making it difficult for you to teach anyone else how to fire a gun unless they already have a gun themselves. And then you can't touch their gun and they can't touch your gun. You can't hand them back and forth without a background check the way the laws are all written. They do that on purpose. This is not an accident. They're trying to kill the culture. Almost all sales go through background checks at this point. So it's ridiculous. Uh, They've done studies. They've checked out the crimes. They know who committed the crimes. They know who they have convicted. And it's less than 3% of firearms are purchased by people that buy them using background checks. I think it was like 1.8%. So it is a lie. So we're going to have to sit down and do some math at some point, like out of, out of all the firearms that, that are sold in this country every year, you're telling me less than 3% are sold without a background check. No, less than 3% are used by criminals who purchase them without a background check. Okay. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to sit down and do the actual math on this, and and I want real numbers to compare. You know what I mean? I want like yeah. how many thousands are are we talking about, or hundreds, or whatever? Yeah, because that's that's you know we can talk percentages all day, and percentages of percentages of percentages get gets real confusing. So I How's think this? I'll I'll go ahead and say this: the number of people that re- self rescue or save themselves with a <laughs> firearm outnumbers the people that commit crimes with firearms by five to tenfold, depends on how you do the math, anywhere between 250 and two and a half million people every year save themselves and rescue themselves and stop themselves from being a victim of some kind of crime with a firearm. And that dwarfs almost everything else everything uh, so vote no on all anti-gun legislation because it all it, it leads to that slippery slope it's all trying to steal your civil right away from you by using fear lies and misdirection by both the media and politicians no 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 the last civil rights legislation ended in this country, according to all the record books in 1968. How are they trying to turn this around already? In 50 years, in my lifetime, almost my entire lifetime, they're trying to reverse it and start taking your civil rights away and telling you they're doing it for your own good. Right. Well, to be fair, generally, it's the same people who didn't want you to have civil rights in the first place. Uh, yeah, it's the exact same party, but nobody gets a pass because they're all in on it. Yeah. I don't care who you are. You voted against my civil rights. You're no friend of mine, regardless of your party affiliation. All right. That's legislation. I tried to do a little bit of it and keep oh, it on the good. There's, there's, there's a couple more, Tony. I know there's, there's, there's a couple more. You know, you know, Kansas. we do the show every week, dude. What's up? What, what, are you, what are you talking about? What's happening in Kansas? Kansas. 
you, you make it sound like you're wrapping up. Kansas is, is working on a, a three-day waiting period for handgun purchases. So if you're in Kansas, you need to fight that. Um, more and more states are adopting these extreme risk protection orders and red flag laws, whatever you want to call them. Um, again, violates your, your civil rights, your right to due process. It's, to me, that's not even a gun thing. That's a Fourth and Fifth Amendment issue, uh, even more so than a Second Amendment issue. So, also, Washington State state seizure, all those things. Yeah, come on. Washington State's working on a new magazine restriction talking about seven rounds. We've told you. you. Five. Five rounds, I'm sorry. We told you all last year. Five rounds. We told you all last year. We told you a year before. The battle is on the state level. They're coming at you continually. It's frustrating because all you want to do is just go pew pew, go to the range, be free, be cool, not have to think about all this stuff. This is the time. This is like the news says say it says the sixties were when it comes to civil rights legislation. This is the new fight. This is the new fight. This is that slippery slope. Because these aren't the only laws. I mean, us as Second Amendment advocates, that's what I am. I'm a Second Amendment advocate. But other civil rights are being violated, too, at the same time. We just don't talk about them here because we don't want it to become that kind of show. But you really need to pay attention. Your rights are being stepped on. And the second one, the Second Amendment, is the one that... People that want to control you fear the most. Yeah, it's the cornerstone, right? First of all, it's the cornerstone to all the others. Without that, there's nothing. It's there's nothing to prevent the rest from being taken away. Second, it's it's part of the American system of checks and balances. That if things get too far out of control, you have a means to fight back, right? It was and not last, by accident. Yes. No. No. Of course not. And lastly, I think it's a good litmus test for what a politician's intentions are, right? Uh, my students in Marshall Guncraft a couple of weeks ago told me he was, he was working on a paper, and he noticed something. The states that have the highest gun control or the strictest gun control laws also have the highest tax rates. Figure that out. Mm-hmm. Interesting correlation, isn't it? A lot of correlations if you decide to look at them and not have to be fed all of your facts with a spoon. Look into things for yourself. Look into things for yourself and you'll start connecting dots. And then start asking questions. And and look for information from various sources, not just one, and you'll start putting things together. Now, a lot of us in the Second Amendment community have already drank the Kool-Aid. We all use the same arguments. We all post the same memes, but understand what Sean and I are doing here and everybody joins us in the diversity shoot is trying to grow the community to people that haven't heard the stuff. So you can't just keep hitting them over the head with, you know, more people died from hands and feet than AR-15s. You need to flip that a little bit and also tell them about how many people protect themselves and save themselves using AR-15s or long arms as defensive tools. I mean, it, it, it's we have to reach out and actually talk about the things they do to help, not just let the other side um, direct the narrative. That's what we need to do. But 
one of the main things we need to do is participate in the process. We have to vote. We have to talk to legislators. We have to call. We have to write. We have to email. And we have to rally if it calls for it because boots on the, boots on the ground, people out in the street, they do make a difference. And when you go to a rally or something, it is important that you all look like you're united. One of the ways to do it is with one of my rally shirts from 1022clothing.us. <laughs> I'm joking, but it does look better because you watch the Moms Demand do it. When they were in Atlanta at NRA, uh, they were in the park where they had their protests, giving their shirts to homeless people and anyone that walked through the park. And when they came on camera, it looked as if they had a couple of hundred supporters when really all they had was about 50 moms and a bunch of homeless people got a new shirt, <laughs> including Sean Sarantino, <laughs> Gail Pepin, and Weird Beard from the <laughs> from uh, Second Amendment po- various Second Amendment podcasts. But they went there and they crashed a party and they got Moms Demand shirts. And it's a very funny picture. But uh, anyway, that's all with legislation. I really don't want to talk about this, but we have to take action. All right, we're going to come back with the Mad Minute because I want to have some fun. Be right back, guys. Hey, welcome back. Episode 47. 10 millimeters, the new 40. We're on to the Mad Minute. But before we go to the Mad Minute, I have to take this fisherman's friend lozenge. These are the worst tasting lozenges ever. It's like licking your own armpit. They're menthol. Ain't nothing but menthol. Oh, my goodness. Those are my favorite. Yeah, of course they would be. I get the Hall's menthol lip this. <sighs> yeah, okay. Imagine like the Hall's without the sugar. Brain in your head. Golly, oh. jewelers. Okay. <laughs> the, the burning t- sensation lets you know it's working. <laughs> Yeah, what's the tearing sensation do? Oh, my goodness. So, one of the things that used to annoy me, yes, I own a 40 Smith & Wesson, but one of the things that annoys me is continually hearing how 40 Smith & Wesson is dead. Nine millimeter self, 40 Smith & Wesson for self-defense is dead. Nine millimeter almost does the exact same thing. And the same people that tell me nine almost the latest nine millimeter ammo, self-defense ammo, performs almost as well as 40 Smith and Wesson. 40 Smith and Wesson is dead. And 10 millimeter self-defense ammo hits like the hammer of Thor. And it will not only kill your soul, it will end your bloodline. <clears throat> now as someone that likes guns, but gets into the minutia of firearms and reads things like foot pounds, feet per second, projectile weights. And then I read, and I read things on boards by actual people that shoot guns, load ammo, and do things. 
And their biggest complaint, the people that shoot 10 millimeter or have 10 millimeter self-defense stuff is the lack of guns that holds 10 millimeter. There's not many of them. And, and if they are, most of them are full size. There are very few subcompacts. I think like one or two subcompact handguns that are 10 millimeter, that are chambered in 10 millimeter. And then most of the self-defense ammo that's chambered in 10 millimeter are loaded at 40 Smith & Wesson velocities using the same bullet weights as a 40 Smith & Wesson. And Lucky Gunner, if you go to luckygunner.com and check out their blog <clears throat> and type in these magical words, 10 millimeter for self-defense. They did ballistic testing on a lot of different ammo, including 40 Smith & Wesson and 11 10 millimeter loads using FBI protocol. They had 11 loads for the 10 millimeter. Only five of them fell into the penetration and expansion that's acceptable to the FBI. Five of them. Out of that five, only two exceeded 40 Smith and Wesson in velocity and expansion. So out of all the self, out of the 11, they used only two. Only two were better than 40 Smith & Wesson self-defense ammo. So you limit the number of guns that hold the ammo, you limit the size of the guns that hold the ammo, and you can only find two rounds that work better than 40 Smith & Wesson, which have a crap ton of guns that come in that's in all different sizes and from multiple, multiple manufacturers. So yeah. 10 millimeter is the new 40 Smith and Wesson. Don't be mad at me. Go read the article. <laughs> is 10 millimeter a viable self-defense caliber by Chris Baker over at Lucky Gunner? Um, it is a lot of fun because I know people get angry about stuff like this. But most people do not shoot and do not hand load 10 millimeter to what it used to be when it was loaded when it first came out. So I don't know if I launched the Mad Minute, but that's the conclusion of the Mad Minute. Get over yourself. 40 is dead only because you people say it's dead. It's not really dead. You just have 10 millimeter ammo loaded to 40 Smith & Wesson levels. So you're paying more money for ammo with less results. Oh, excuse me, with the same results. Did you die, Sean? No, I was waiting for you to finish. Okay, go ahead. Because I like I would attack this from a whole other angle. The 40 okay. Smith & Wesson was developed in response to the FBI use of the 10 millimeter, determining that their agents couldn't control the recoil of the 10 millimeter, so they shorten the case cartridge and develop the 40 Smith and Wesson that was supposed to make it easier to handle thereby reducing the power and everything else that you get from the 10 millimeter down to the 40 Smith and Wesson. So the 40 Smith and Wesson is really just a 10 millimeter short. Uh -huh. 
and people act like these things aren't related. Oh, yeah, they do. Right? Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing. So technically, the 10 millimeter predates the 40 Smith & Wesson, but okay. somehow the 40 Smith & Wesson is dead and the 10 millimeter is the new thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's back. I'm like, look, it, it never went that's, away. That's the weird chick that breaks up with the dude to date his dad. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, he's hotter and younger. No, he's my dad. What are you talking about? <laughs> what, what? Here's what gets me. This is what happened. 10 millimeter came out. 10 millimeter came out in late 80s. Or, yeah, late 80s. It died on the vine mainly because the FBI couldn't handle full 10 millimeter loads. So they made softer shooting 10 millimeter loads. And Smith and Wesson said, Whoa, don't know what happened there. Mad oh. Minute Part Two. Mad Minute Part Two. Anyway, yeah. So Sean is right. The of course 40, I am. The 40 Smith and Wesson came from 10 millimeter that pretty much was too powerful and they cut it down and almost every cop shop in the country started using 40 Smith and Wesson. Now that nine millimeter is close using some ammo FBI has changed back over. I don't really care, but it's just funny to me that sometimes I have to point out that the industry is full of caca. They're going Google Gaga over a 10 millimeter. It still <laughs> hits with the same power of the 40 Smith and Wesson. This, this is an interesting timing uh, to, to mention this week that the industry is full of malarkey. Yeah, because they're going to be coming out all next week talking about how everything is the bestest ever. And they're just seeing it for the first time. But it's going to be the new thing. SHOT Show gets me every year. I totally get being excited about products and introducing new products, but man, they will be on the shot show floor talking about how great products are. And I'm like, dude, you you shot it at range day for three magazines full, maybe three magazines of a gun that they handpicked to bring to the shot show. So you have no idea if what they're going to sell is even going to work. Uh, if you don't believe me, Hey, how, how's that Smith and Wesson? Um, excuse me. How's that SIG? 365, you get it back from Smith & Wesson from that recall yet? Because they came out and immediately got recalled. Yeah, everything. I just, I don't. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm never the guy who buys the very first one. <laughs> so, yeah, just throwing it out there. And, and this is one of the reasons I'm saying it, because there's a lot of people that bought 40 Smith and & Wesson. And, and for the last couple of years, almost everyone who's in the know has been saying your 40 is dead. Meanwhile, I, I saw it on three different Facebook conversations today. Mm-hmm. Ooh, a 40 Smith and Wesson's a dead cartridge. Who says? Yeah. Because I I have one. I shoot the crap out of it. And guess what? Still working. <laughs> Companies still make ammo for it. Hey, listen, you know what's also not a dead cartridge? The 4570. Yeah. Not a dead cartridge. <laughs> Hasn't been issued in the last hundred years. Um, You know, something else is not dead. 38 special. 30 odd six. 30 odd six. (laughs) Um, You know, they're still making brand new 3840. Yeah. 
cowboy gun stuff from like the 1870s. Yeah, they're still making that brand new. In effect. 40 Smith & Wesson is not dead, and the used market is full of 40 Smith & Wesson trade-ins and everything else. Pretty much it's I a guess, buyer's I market. That's, yeah, that's, that's really where we should thank these dweebs that claim it's a dead cartridge because you are driving the prices down on used guns, something fierce, and boy, oh, boy, is that good news for those of us who actually think. How crazy is this? Because this is one of the guns I'm contemplating buying. I have no problem buying used guns. CZ has something called a P07. Mm-hmm. Great gun, good track record right now. Um, they have it in 40 caliber at a gun store I frequent. These guns have an MSRP of about 550 to $600. Would it have to be in Jameson, Pennsylvania, would it? Yes, it would. <laughs> you shut your mouth, Ricky Bobby. I might, I might go buy this gun. I don't need you messing this up. <laughs> they have it for two ninety nine, dude. Forty Smith and Wesson. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, okay, two ninety nine. Carry the one. Add the transfer fee. Uh, the money for my FFL. How much does it come to? <laughs> How much a magazine? Yeah. Less yeah. than four hundred bucks with. A couple yeah. of magazines. Okay, come on. Yeah, and because the sucky thing is in Jersey, I have to have 10-round magazines. So I have to make a totally different purchase for the magazines and have them shipped. And all that goes into the price of something. Determines whether I buy it or not. But I'm looking at it going, dude, I have no problem. I have a couple thousand rounds of 40 Smith & Wesson. I don't care. <laughs> but it, it's just funny. It's like, yeah. The used market is full of them. It's great because they're going to be at Walmart. 40 Smith and Wesson is at your gun store. And when the next whatever hit, what what they call it? Gunpocalypse? Yeah. Should we, should we talk about the last one? Apocalypse when everybody, no one had nine, no one had 22, and you and I were actually walking into Walmart buying 40? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that. Because <laughs> because dude, that's, so, that's a real thing that actually happened in 2012 2013 see some of the people that are parroting the things they hear online weren't even into guns in 2013 they don't know what they're talking about they have no their history goes back to when they picked up their first Glock 19 which was two years ago, ago three years ago yeah <laughs> you, you just but they will, will continually repeat stuff, and this is how horrible, bad information gets passed. It used to get passed over the gun store counter, and now it spreads like wildfire over the internet, and it's the same ignorance. Again, this thing that started out the whole conversation, the name of the show is how 10 millimeter, current 10 millimeter self-defense ammo is not loaded up to what the original 10 millimeter stuff was loaded to. It's loaded to 40 Smith & Wesson levels. It didn't take long to look it up. You could have looked at the side of the box in the store and seen this. People don't pay attention and they repeat things they hear instead of things they can actually look into and find for themselves. Again, you want to check out the article, Lucky Gunner. LuckyGunner.com is 10 millimeter, a viable self-defense caliber. Now, <laughs> the, only counter, the only counter to this mm -hmm. is if you are in fact doing your own loading of 10 millimeter which right. i don't suggest for self-defense ammo against people i just um if we're gonna narrow it down just to self-defense 
Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I know plenty of people who, who load their own f- even for their self-defense stuff. Whatever. That's a yeah. personal choice. There's a lot of reasons to load your own ammo. If you're doing that, you can load 10 millimeter to some really crazy pressures. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at that point, it does hit like a lightning bolt from Mount Olympus. Um, yeah, it's hit like a 41 Magnum. <laughs> What's a 41 Magnum? I ain't in the history lessons today. <laughs> yeah, but 41 Magnum. Since when? Oh, that's true too. <laughs> Are you not Tony today? <laughs> yeah, guys. Go ahead, nerd. You... Tell us about the 41 Magnum. <laughs> I'd be offended by that if I wasn't getting the facts together in my head about the 41 Magnum. (laughs) Yeah, we can all hear the Rolodex flipping. (laughs) That's not a Rolodex. That's the Dewey Decimal System. (laughs) In the 30s, they came up with 357 Magnum. Why? Because some old dudes went, you know that 38? Yeah, we can push that. So that's what they did. Smith and Wesson came up with the 38, the 357 Magnum by stretching out the 38 special cartridge, another eighth of an inch, packing more powder in it, and making a really hot cartridge. And that Engage was in toxic masculinity. Lengthen the cartridge and put more powder in it. Yeah. How could they? Yeah. Those monsters. So that was one of the things, because back in the day, the hollow points weren't really even a thing. So they had round nose <laughs> lead bullets. And, and All right, a hollow point was when you took your pocket knife and cut a cross into the soft lead nose. Exactly. Bullet. Yeah. Oh, one of the things some of them did was pull their bullet out and then reversed it and put it in backwards so the flat part would be sticking out. <laughs> uh, that was the only thing they did for, for hollow points back in the day. So when they loaded up, and the 38 bullets were 158 grain, they were slow, people get hit, whatever. So they wanted more power. So they came up with the 357 Magnum. Well, much like the 10 millimeter, it was too snappy. And some law enforcement didn't want it. But a lot of people did. A lot of state troopers carried it. Virginia state troopers carried it, I think, up until the 90s, if I remember correctly. But that's what happened with that. Next thing, next thing in the 50s, they came up with 44 Magnum. And that was like the new big man stopper, honka honkum, burning love that could stop anything. Thanks to Clint Eastwood. Nope. Well before Clint Eastwood. 55, 1955 it came out. Not yeah, many people made it cool. not many people bought it. Um, but law enforcement was using the 357 Magnums and the one that were actually doing shootings. I think Chicago PD had 357 Magnums. They actually loaded or maybe it was Illinois State Police. But a lot of the state PDs were using 357 Magnums and they found out they weren't hitting like the bolt of lightning. They weren't dropping people like they wanted. They wanted more power, but the 44 Magnum was a little much. So that's when they came up with the 41 Magnum. It was right in between 357 Magnum and 44 Magnum. And it was just that sweet spot that hit hard enough to put a bad guy down, that shot flat enough that you didn't have to arch a bullet into them uh, at longer distances, and it just worked. And again, Smith & Wesson messed up when they loaded it, loaded it soft, nobody really liked it, it wasn't better than anything else, and it kind of dropped it, (laughs) just like they did to 10 millimeter. (laughs) History repeats itself, and if you know your history, you pretty much can predict where people are going to screw up. 
because the 40 Magnum was a, a rim cartridge for revolvers. Revol- it was a rim cartridge for revolvers, and it was loaded hot, but it wasn't as hot as a 44, but it was hotter than the 357 Magnum, and people were having problems even shooting hot 357 Magnum. So when they shot the 41, it was just too much for their little hands, and Smith and Wesson downloaded it. <laughs> yep, and there you go. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know why I went on that tangent, but that's a little history lesson today, boys and girls. <laughs> we'll be back with whatever I do next because I can't even think of it right now. Is it gear whore? Oh yeah, gear whore. Cool. Thanks, Sean. Nice to participate in this show. I got some cool in gear whore. <laughs> be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 47. 10 millimeters, new 40. <laughs> it's funny every time you say it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, uh, this is in gear whore today. We're going to talk about that holster that I was telling you guys about last week. It's called the Stealth Operator Holster. It's a true multi-fit holster. Uh, fits over 150 different firearms. They have two kind, two sizes. I have the full size, and they also have a compact. Um, the full size holster. Oh, and they only come in right hand. They have not. They haven't figured out left hand technology yet. It comes in everything from Glock and all the Glock sizes, Taurus. And just all their numbers, the SR series and the P series of Rugers, Sigmas, M&Ps, and even the Walter P99 for Smith & Wesson, because I guess some people don't know, Walter, uh, the P99 is actually a Smith & Wesson, not a Walter product. Springfield XDs, XDMs, HKs, CZs, High Points, all this stuff are all, all fit this one holster I have. Now, you and I have talked about it before, and we don't like the idea of one-size-fits-all holsters. The right, because I... it never does. It never really does like it should, but I'll tell you right now, this one is close. Now, I still think it's better to get one specifically for your firearm, but if you own something like the Ruger P-Series, it's harder. It's harder to find a holster. If you Yeah, own... there's not as much stuff out there. There's not as much stuff out there. If you own some of the different even some surplus guns they might be slightly off um like the fmk that's that polymer nine um polymer striker fire gun you see it a lot it's around 300 dollars, sometimes a little less good luck finding the holster for it so that's the problem i was having i was having with my original cz 75 so what i did was put it in here my glock 19 fit in this thing fine it even had some retention with a loaded gun i could turn it upside down and shake it and it would not come like vigorously shake it and you'd have to almost if i was shaking like this upside down i had more serious problems with my gun falling out <laughs> that's what i'm saying so so it had some retention well i put my cz75 in it it locked in pretty well but then i broke out a heat gun and I melted it because it's not Kydex. It is some kind of nylon they have, but it isn't Kydex. But I heated it up 
it form fit more so to the CZ 75. So I had even stronger retention, but it comes right out of the holster. No problem. And I think I picked it up. Oh, heck it has a price tag right here for $29.99. It's okay. I watched their commercial online and they're like, if you have a lot of firearms, you don't need a lot of different holsters. You can just use one. I say no to that. If you can get a holster for your particular firearm, get a holster for your particular firearm. This one is outside the waistband. Um, you loop your belt through it and it's on the outside of your pants. Um, I heated it up. It holds my gun well. I've used it in class. It works fine. Does it work great? Well, you have to cinch your belt up just to make sure it doesn't move. I put it up against my belt loop so it can't go forward. And um, it's wide enough that it actually fits directly between belt loops. So it doesn't really move when it's on my, what's this, four o'clock? Right behind my side pocket. So it doesn't interfere with me sticking my hands in my pocket or anything like that. Decent holster. Um, I haven't broken it yet, and I've had it for a couple of years. I think it was two years, maybe even three years I've had. It. I think you're going on three years. Yeah. yeah, I'm going on three years. I've had it. It's been in the bottom of uh, the range bag. It's been, you know, thrown in the back of the car. Stuff's been on top of it. God, I've drawn the guns out of it. Again, I used it. You've run it through several classes, too. So Yeah, I've run it through classes. A um, lot of drawing, a lot of reholstering. Not really a problem. Again, if you're having a hard time finding a gun to fit a holster, I think this is a pretty good choice, especially if you have something that's a little different, a little weird. If you have something that's normal, like a Glock, SIGs, stuff like that, just buy holsters for those. But if you have something like car arms, you know, or, or some kel or something like, um, heck, a high point. Uh, I think there's like three companies that make holsters for high points. This is another one. I, I think it's solid. Look into it. It's and, and, and the name is cheesy. I mean, Stealth Operator Holster Series. But it works. It works, and I recommend it if you can't find one for yourself. They also make double mag pouches. Um, they're for double stack magazines. And they also make a compact version of this holster, but really it's not really so compact. It's, I think it locks in on your trigger, the trigger housing, mostly that part of the gun. So you can use full size guns with it. It's just the barrel and everything goes past the bottom, the full size one, the bottom of the holster is more enclosed and the one for the compact, the bottom of the holster is more open. So even if you use a longer gun. <clears throat> Welcome back. Episode 47. <clears throat> 10 millimeters, the new 40. <laughs> 10 millimeters, the new 40. Oh, <laughs> uh, <when>, What? <laughs> what? <laughs> is is a bear in your throat? What what is going on with you, Dad? Mm-hmm. Oh, you cool now? Maybe <laughs> something's wrong with you. <laughs> Seriously, something's wrong with you. All right, training concepts. That we that's what we're on to. Going to be talking about actually being prepared, actually getting training. You're not 
for self-defense, more than likely, you're not going to get any warning. And, and be that at your home, defending your home, or when you're out and about. You really need to get training just so the first time you're reaching for your gun isn't the first. The first time you're reaching for your gun in, in, in an emergency is not the first time you're reaching for your firearm. The first time you're trying to put together a situation and your response to it shouldn't be when your life is on the line. That's why Sean and I both feel it's really important for you to train, for you to get training on force on force training, for you to learn how your firearm itself operates and how you operate that firearm under a stressor. That's how we train people. And that's also why we suggest people go and take, uh, enter things like the Miniman Challenge and compete with their firearms, just so you're operating under stressor. You're operating under some kind of pressure that can, that, that just makes you do these movements, makes you be able to load under pressure, fire accurately your firearm under pressure, because there's no way you can practice doing that at home effectively without scaring the crap out of the cat. <laughs> oh, and not to mention probably getting thrown out of the house by your wife because you're nuts. So <clears throat> if you really take this seriously, you need to train firearms. You also need first aid skills. And I'll say this almost every time. You also need to be in better shape. And that's why I'm working on mine. That's why Sean works on his because we both know that the better you are prepared for something, the better you might succeed in coming out the other side of it to survive it. What do you say, Sean? I agree. Thank you for participating <laughs> in this conversation. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I, like, there's so many different layers there, right? Um, as far as like the, the competition thing goes, I think a lot of people have various opinions on that. Um, and I hear these arguments that shooting in competition does not prepare you for real life combative skills. Paper doesn't shoot back. It's gamesmanship. You're, you're using a tricked out gun. You're doing this, you're doing that. Here's the bottom line. Repetitions are good for any exercise, right? So if, in for competition training or just in competing, you develop a, a increased familiarity with your firearm. That pertains to self-defense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. If you know exactly where the round is going when you pull the trigger, it pertains to self-defense, doesn't it? <laughs> if you can clear a jam, execute a reload faster than you could prior to your involvement in competition, doesn't that apply to combative skills? Doesn't that help? Doesn't that make you more confident? Is it the only thing? No. You absolutely need to know your state and local laws. You need to understand uh, whether your state is a duty to retreat or a stand your ground state, right? All those things certainly yeah. count there. Um, and then to touch on the, the physical fitness part of it, if in your daily activities you notice you struggle doing certain things like Oh, I don't know, climbing a flight of stairs, lifting something heavy, uh, getting in and out of your car. If those things are difficult and you find that you can't do them in a hurry, you need to work on it. Yeah, 
I need to work on it. Everything is not going to be perfect. You, you, you're a work in progress. You're a human being. Absolutely. But those are things, those are specific things you can focus on, right? Mm-hmm. If, if I know I have trouble doing stairs and I go do the stairs every couple of, you know, every, every time I get a break at work, I'll go do the stairs. There's five flights I can climb at my, at my day job. I do them. We often Two or three times a day. Just, yep. just get those reps in. And I guess that's really the core thing here. Get the repetitions in. Dry fire. Dry fire is when we talk about often. You don't have to spend the money because a lot of people, myself included, um, talk about how much things cost. I'm, I'm hyper aware of how much money is coming out of my pocket. Dry fire costs you nothing. Dry fire costs you absolutely nothing. Um, going to a class. Um, our classes aren't that expensive. Look around. Look for classes around you. Look for seminars. Look for workshops. Again, things can happen. You're not going to get any warning. So whatever you know and whatever you can do at that moment is all you have. There's no time. You're not going to have time to Google it. <laughs> You're not going to have time to Google the five-finger death punch. You're just not. You're not going to have sorry, to. I'm sorry, Mr. Ricky Murder Man. I need you to wait two minutes while I look up this self-defense technique on the internet. I know it's in one of the YouTube videos. Let me just flip through my history here. Here it is. Okay. So left hand, right hand, one, two, three. Up, up, down, down, BA, BA, select, start. Okay, I'm ready now. That's nobody. No, no. Uh, <clears throat> how's this? Your kid, your friend, whatever gets hurt. You may not be able to YouTube how to stop them from bleeding out in the time it takes your phone to load. They could be gone. Why not learn it beforehand? What we're saying is be an asset. Get some training ahead of time. It'll, it'll, it'll. Sometimes people feel they're wasting their money doing it, but it's better to know it and not need it than need it and not know it. And we know how I kind of hate bumper sticker logic, but sometimes facts are facts and that's the way things are. And let's not pretend this stuff isn't fun too. Like yeah, the, the training courses we go to, I have a good time with, right? The, the courses we teach, I have a good time with. I think everybody who participates in our classes enjoys what we do. Um, mm-hmm. The people who participate in the Minuteman Challenge enjoy the Minuteman Challenge and they get a lot out of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. So there's no, there's really no reason not to, if, if it's a budgetary restraint, I get it. Right. Make that part of your new year's resolution to set a couple of bucks aside, take one class this year. If you're the kind of person who's been, who's interested in this stuff and it's been two or three years and you haven't had a chance to take a class, put the money aside and take a class this year. Just at some point during 2019, take one class because that's one more than you had before. Yeah. Don't break the bank. And again, when it comes to medical stuff, look for free. Look for stuff in your community that they're having that you can get for the least amount of money if possible. If you can, if they're given a free class down at your rescue squad, you know, and, and you just learn who they even call it. Mouth, oh, they call it CPR now, not mouth to breath, but yeah, CPR. Learn that. Pick up something that could save your life or your friend's life or a kid's life or anything because accidents happen more than shootouts 
but if you can get trained, you'll feel better about yourself because you'll know at least you've looked into the situation. You've had a little bit of training and, and make sure you go in as with an open slate and just take information in, take information in regardless of what it is, take the information in. Maybe things have changed since the last time you took CPR. Mm-hmm. Because I definitely know medical training has changed since we did, you know, Marine Corps life-saving stuff when tourniquet was the last thing you do. Now in, applying a tourniquet is the first thing you do. <laughs> it, it just, it, it changed 180 degrees. Hey, be an asset, get some training. Going to come back with gun culture. See you guys in a second. Welcome back to episode 47. 10 millimeter is the new 40. And we're talking about gun culture. Today in gun culture, I want to talk about bringing it all together. We're talking about the caliber thing earlier today. Some of us busting chops, some of us poking fun at the gun industry because, you know, they're predictors. They're usually wrong. But some of it is really serious. It's the basics. It's the fundamentals. Those never change. That's part of gun culture I want to talk to you guys about. Regardless of your caliber, if you can put a round where it stops the threat immediately, that's what it's all about. No matter what size your handgun, if you miss, it serves no purpose. It might scare somebody off and make them run away, but it won't make them stop. They'll have to stop because they choose to, not because you made them. It'll turn into a psychological stop, not a physical stop. Uh, We had the terrorist incident that just happened in Kenya. Those guys weren't going to be frightened by you shooting at them. They weren't some punk school shooter who wanted to be on Time magazine as man of the year. These were dangerous, dangerous people. Sometimes, now Sean and I talk about this in our classes, our defensive classes. There are three types of people that might break into your home. There's a type of person that didn't know you were home and the minute they see your home, they're going to take off running. There's a type of person that'll break into your home even if you're home. But if you pull a firearm or you say, I have a gun, they're going to take off running. Then there's that third person. Doesn't care if you're home. Kind of look forward to it. That's why they broke into the house. Not afraid of you and your gun because they don't believe you'll shoot them. They're there to hurt you. They're there to hurt you and everybody in the house. And you you will have to make this person physically stop by the application of force. Or as Mike Wolf says, shoot them in the face. When you're confronted with these people, you don't know which one of those three you'll be confronted with because they don't wear T-shirts. This is A, B, or C. Gun culture talks a lot of stuff. A lot of guys talk. You can see them online. You can see them on Facebook. You can hear them in the gun stores. They're the same guys that talked 357 Magnum back in the day. They talked 357 Magnum and 9mm because that's what they carried. Meanwhile, most Americans shot 38s. They're the same dudes that talked about the 45, 40, 357 SIG, and they still have a 9mm that they've never shot. 
they're the guys that talk about the AR-15s. Meanwhile, they have their granddaddy shotgun in the corner. Again, only take it out during hunting season. Gun culture has a problem with a bunch of talkers. And it feels good to talk. It feels good to throw stuff out. Hey, somebody tries to break it in my house, I'll drag them in. All that talk, you know, shoot them outside, drag them in the house. Just bad gun store, gun counter conversation. All of that's out the window because when it when it comes time to stop a bad guy, you need to be trained and you need to be mentally prepared and all that jaw jacking and keyboard commando stuff right out the window. Those losers are going to pop up again tomorrow and tell you what you should have done or what they would have done if they was you. Meanwhile, they do absolutely nothing. They have no training and they will crap themselves because that single shot shotgun they have in the corner, it's not a Benelli, it's a single shot shotgun. It's loaded with rock salt. Hmm. All right. Or they do have a Benelli, but well, they have the cheapest ammo they could find because they bought the most expensive shotgun but cheap ammo and it's going to have case head separation and break off inside the gun and they won't get one round off or they spent a whole bunch of money on the guns and zero money on training but they bought a bunch of ammo they go to the range and everything looks horrible they miss everything it's the sights off it's old ammo the wind caught it sun was in my eyes my grandma's ammo it was my grandma's ammo it's from world war ii it's world war ii ammo right yeah uh-huh. it's 357 sig dude how, how is that world war ii ammo <laughs> what I'm saying is gun culture, just like any culture, it's got its percentage of big mouths, liars, and people that are just full of crap. But if you're serious about this, you can't be one of those guys. You can be entertained by them, but they do not set the standard. You have to walk around them. You have to understand bad things do happen. You should be prepared for them. You can have fun at the range. I'm not saying don't have fun at the range. I have a great time at the range. But make your time count because it's time away from your family or maybe you take your family with you, but you do understand your time is precious. You don't get any more. You get 24 hours in a day. Use that time to come better at something because you never know when you're going to be called upon to do something, whether someone broke into your house or whether you stumble into something while you're out on the streets be it a car accident, be it a fire, be it a active shooter. You want to know you're prepared or at least what level your skill set is at. A lot of talkers have no idea where they, they actually, they always believe their skills are way better than they actually are. What's your skill set? Are you really prepared? Do you have a medical bag? Do you have a way to stop bleeding, start to breathing, treat for shock? Do you have that? If you tell me your belt can be used as a tourniquet, I'm I'm telling you a tourniquet can be used as a tourniquet much better. And they don't cost that much money. Some of these people don't know what they don't know. And they're perfectly happy with that ignorance. You don't want to be one of those guys. So I guess what gun culture today is about is don't talk about it, be about it. Hey. Who knew? Who knew? (laughs) 2019 should be your time to be about it. 
2019 should be when you want to be an asset. You learn to get better at some of this life-saving stuff. Look, hundreds of you guys come and listen to this podcast every week, and I really appreciate it. And I know a lot of you own firearms. A lot of you study this stuff. Thank you. Because you're that person that's going to help somebody one day. And if you don't, or if this is your first time listening, we're trying to make better citizens. Not just gun owners. We want people that vote. We want people to participate in the legislative process. We want people to be able to be heard and know how to make themselves heard by their government. But we also want people to be assets to their community and to their families. We want to be good guys and we want to hang out with good guys. That's what today's gun culture is really about. Because that's what gun culture is about. A bunch of good guys. Unless you give them internet access. Then a bunch of those good guys turn into a-holes. Just like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, so that's what I have to say about today's gun culture and why we do what we do. Why do you do what we why do you do what we do, Sean? Is it because of the big fat paycheck I give you? Uh if it is, I haven't seen one yet. It must have it's, gotten lost in the mail. Government shutdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I for me and it's funny because you got the whole thing about toxic masculinity going on. It, like, I really don't know what that is. Stupid conversations this week. And okay. it's just about like stereotypical male behavior, I guess. And I think for me, that's really what the whole gun thing breaks down to is I, when I was a kid, it was not a taboo. Okay. In my family, firearms were not a taboo. My dad taught me to shoot when I was very little. I continued with it. I took an interest in it. I shot in the Boy Scouts. I did all this stuff. Um, and it just kind of continued on. It wasn't even something I questioned, right? So to me, these people that are like, oh, well, why do you need? Why, what do you mean? What do I need? Why don't you need? You watch the same news I do. You see all the things that go on in the world. Why wouldn't you want to be self-reliant? Why wouldn't you want to set yourself up for success? Why would you rely on anybody else? To, who are you gonna who are you gonna call? The federal government? They're shut down. <laughs> They're not taking your calls right now. <laughs> like all of it. You know what I mean? They, so to me, it's it, I come at it from the completely opposite perspective, I guess, is is that I don't I don't have a I don't have a whole bunch of reasons why I do this stuff. Uh-huh. It's more about like why don't you? <laughs> yeah, we've actually had that conversation before. It's like, why wouldn't you? Well, um, again, like, I like you, you don't have an emergency kit in your car. What do you mean you don't know how to change a tire? How did you like who dressed you this morning that you leave the house without having a plan in case something goes wrong to get back to the house? That's absurd to me. Yeah, like that, <laughs> that type of thinking is so alien to my core that I can't even wrap my head around it. Like. I, I really I don't get it. And it, it cracks me up because somehow I became that guy who's like, oh, well, I need a Band-Aid. Hey, Sean, I know you got a Band-Aid. Well, yeah, it's in my first aid kit. Where's your first aid kit? Um, oh, you carry a whole first aid kit? Of course I carry a whole first aid kit. You don't? <laughs> what, what do you mean? It what is funny, you- man. 
<laughs> um, I, I don't pay attention to pop culture. I don't watch television every night. I don't watch the news at all if I can help it. Neither do I. You know, it, it so, encroaches because other people who do post that stuff on Facebook, and that's oh, where I encounter it, right? Like, and I'm not yeah, going to give them ad time on your show, but, you know, there's a razor company that put out a commercial and people are upset about it. I haven't seen the commercial. I don't care. I have a beard and a mustache. I don't yeah. need razors. That's pretty much where I'm at. Um, I have a beard, a mustache, and nature's taking care of my hairline. So <laughs> I don't have to worry about a razor. Now, I stumbled across something toxic masculinity. Again, don't know. Don't watch the commercial. Heard some argument talking about putting masculinity and toxicity together. Doesn't mean they said something about values. I don't know. How's this? Learning first aid is not masculine or feminine. It's human. It's yep. a skill. Um, the women in my family shoot better than the men in my family. And when we shot and we went out and we grabbed the 22s for planking of 38 to 357, everybody came out. There was no girls can't shoot. We right. all shot because I come from a farming community. The men went and farmed. The women took care of a whole bunch of stuff around the house from feeding the farm animals that were domesticated around the house, like the chickens and stuff like that. My aunts took care of that. Sometime even they chopped the wood because their husband was playing, uh, uh, plowing acres and acres of tobacco or corn or whatever cash crops we grew. Oh, that sounds funny, but no. (laughs) 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 But, uh, Regular tobacco, not the wacky tobacco. Regular tobacco. But we had a lot of property. So moms, your aunts, everybody were far away from the men folk. They had to know how to take care of themselves. And we had lever actions, shotguns, semi-auto 22s, and revolvers. And they all knew how to use them. So it was neither feminine or masculine. And and that's (laughs) what I'm saying. It's not even a thought process. It's like you're an adult. You have yeah. to be able to handle the world around you, right? And part of that may be defending yourself. So here's the tool you use to defend yourself. Just like if your car breaks down, you need to be able to fix it. Here's the tool you use to fix your car. It, it's it's like, I, I yeah. <laughs> so again, it's about being prepared. It's not just gun culture, but it, it's about life in general. And we talk about that a lot. And it's like, why don't you know how to change your tire? What do you mean you're waiting for AAA? Um, <laughs> why, why don't you know some home remedies? Why, why, why don't you know it? Why don't you have some stuff in the house? Why, why don't you have kerosene for a lamp in the house in case the power goes out? Where are your spare flashlights? Okay, all the batteries are dead in your flashlights. Do you have candles? Where are they? What do you mean you don't know? You got to look. Being prepared is something you should do because you're a mature adult. No one's going to be there to take care of you. What's up? You thinking about where all your stuff is because you know exactly where to go if the lights went out right now? Well, not just that, but like even a step further, like I don't smoke, but I carry matches in my pocket all the time (laughs) (laughs) because you might need them. (laughs) Okay. I'm not there because not where I work uh, matches is contraband. So, right. Don't have but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I got them in my shop. Yes, I do. 
Okay, okay. So here's here's another one, Tony. You probably carry a pocket knife, right? Oh yeah, you know I do. Because it's a handy tool. And I find it like and, and I've talked to adult men who did not grow up like that. And I go, you know, I see you've started carrying a pocket knife. Oh yeah, just in the last couple of months. I'm amazed at how often I use it now that I have it. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, humanity's oldest tool for a reason. <laughs> They're they're pretty great. I'm glad you've started. I'm glad yeah. you've embraced man's oldest technology. Yeah, good job, buddy. Well, Way to pick up party, that... pal. <laughs> Way to figure out that whole sharpened rock thing wouldn't just a fad. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, so we got pretty far off the rails with this yeah, one. Let's yeah. wrap it up. All right, man. That was just gun culture and just being a good guy, being prepared, being a good human being and being prepared. And again, masculine toxicity or whatever. Anyway, I don't even know what that means. <clears throat> words. Words mean something. And when they tie bull crap together, sometimes you got to call it. It's bull. Somebody, somebody teased me about my toxic masculinity. And I said, if it hasn't killed me yet, I guess I'm either immune or have a really high tolerance. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Thank goodness no one said anything to me because I would have looked b- before today. I would have went, What are you talking about? Huh? 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 All right. We'll be back with our shout outs. Hey, welcome back to episode 47. 10 millimeters, a new 40. Now, shout outs. All right, this week there was a terrorist attack in Kenya. Four terrorists attacked a hotel, killing 21 people. Local authorities responded, but two people stand out. One is someone from the SAS who was shopping nearby, heard the gunfire, heard the explosions, knew exactly what it was, went to his trunk, popped it, and started putting on his kit. Showed up with a AR, a handgun, vest, bags, and a mask, and went about rescuing people and just went to work. Then there was, okay, I'm going to mess this guy's name up. His name is I-N-A-Y-A-T Kassam is his last name. So I'll just go with Mr. Kassam is a firearms instructor owner of his own security company, and he's also a competitive shooter. He showed up with his handgun. The SAS guy went through and neutralized all the terrorists while rescuing people, and Mr. Kassam did the same thing and rescued people. And he's seen on video and in photos bringing people out of the hotel into safety. Gosh, his name sounds familiar, Tony. Why is that? It could possibly be because you heard about him doing the Westgate Mall shooting in Nairobi in 2013 because he showed up there straight from a pistol competition with his friends and did the exact same thing there. He responded with his training and a firearm and rescued people from terrorist attacks. That was a smooth setup, right? Oh, it was beautiful, man. It was seamless. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good. Um, Are you <laughs> this entire show really has been talking about building your skill set so you can be an asset in situations like that. And again, this show is about firearms, it's about the Second Amendment, but it can be any situation you can be an asset to if you have the skill sets to bring that 
asset to bear when it's needed. And that's what we're asking you to do. Be like these guys. I probably won't ever have them on the show. (laughs) But I'm giving a shout out to people out there that have a skill set that they've worked on. And when poop hits the fan, when the chips are down, they come through because they were prepared. I want you guys to be prepared. I want you guys to be able to come through in the crunch, to be an asset, to be someone that saves someone's life, to be someone that stops something horrible from happening because you've thought about it and you've trained for it. You don't have to be an SAS guy with thousands of repetitions and a bunch of deployments to a war zone. But you can be like Mr. Kassam, who's a firearms instructor, he's a competitive shooter, he's a Krav Maga instructor. So he's taking self-defense seriously, and it's a lifestyle that he chooses. And it's one you can choose, too. You don't have to be dedicated to the point you're an instructor. And we're back, episode twenty, or episode 47, the second is for everyone podcast. We keep getting cut off. 10 millimeters, a new 40. <laughs> we keep getting hey, cut off. If you've made it this far into the podcast, I need to ask you a favor, Okay. And it pertains to the title of the show. 10 millimeter is the new 40. So I guarantee when Tony drops the episode, he's going to put the graphic together. He's going to put the title of the show on there, 2A40 podcast, the whole thing. He'll do a very brief write-up and he'll post it. And I guarantee some idiot with internet access is going to go, 10 millimeters, not the new 40. I just want you to reply if you're listening to the show and you've listened this far. When you see that comment, because I promise you it's coming. When you see that comment, just reply this exact phrase. Try listening to the program. Not commenting on the title. That's what I want you to type. Please and thank you. All right, continue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you want to waste your time talking to a doofus that won't even listen to a show before he comments on the title. Yeah, because he's going to listen to you. But hey. But here's what I'm saying. If the Uh 200 people that actually listen, maybe 100 of them follow you on the Facebook page and they see that guy and he gets 100 of those comments, (laughs) he might stop being something other than an asset. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) <laughs> that was nice I like that, that was funny alright guys, uh, that's the end of the show we keep getting cut off so anyway, I think I got my point across with uh, the shout out coming up next, next week we will have our schedule set up so we'll let you know when the next diversity shoot is we'll let you know when our training classes are um, we're going to be doing some cool stuff in 2019 uh, I've been sick I've been down, I've been out so it's kind of my fault that we haven't gotten this thing going yet with dates for everybody, but we can't wait. We got shirts over at 1022 Clothing, working on that. We're trying to come into the new year with new shirts, uh, trying to get those out before the first uh, event. We're going to be at the Great American Outdoor Show the first week of February. It's a yep. nine-day show in Harrisburg at the Farm Complex. Get out there. If you're within three to four hours, there is no reason. If you're a gun guy, you shouldn't be out there. If you're a hunter, you should be out there. If, if, if you voter, watch videos coming out of SHOT Show and you wish you could go, but you can't, um, this is like a mini East Coast SHOT Show. Yep. There's a ton of stuff there that makes it worthwhile. And I'll be honest with you, that's the real reason Tony and I go, is because we don't need to go to Las Vegas. We can hit up a bunch of the vendors we want to talk to right in our own backyard 
have great conversations. Uh, I can set up new dealership options. Tony gets to beg for stuff for the events and <laughs> we knock it out of the park every year at that event. So uh, it's and worth going. Tony and I are usually pretty easy to spot in the crowd. So if you're a fan of the show and you want to meet us, uh, you can, you can buy Tony lunch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> buy Tony lunch. Once you see the prices of how much the food there, you'll understand why Tony has a PB and J in his backpack. <laughs> I ain't even joking. <laughs> I ain't even joking. All right. That was a great American outdoor show. Uh, we're also going to be at the NRA show mm-hmm. in Indianapolis this year. Hopefully uh, we see you guys there. Um, what else? Indianapolis. And uh, you made a decision on going to that Kevin Dixie thing in on Memorial Day weekend. I, I need to I need to get permission from my wife. Okay. Yeah, I probably need to get permission to my wife too. But I already told him I was coming, so you know, it is what it that's, is. That's all right. You um, have to sit down and go over the details too, because yeah, you know, I already have those. Stuff, so yeah, I would, flight, flight. It's only a fifteen-hour drive. Quit bullcrapping. All right. So anyway, and that's 15 hours with you. I spend as many as 15 hours with me all the time and I'm fine. <laughs> I still don't have any idea how this knot got on my head, but I think I got tired of me one day and punched myself. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to help us out with the show, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com. Become a $5 and above member. You win some stuff. Um, we got the knife drawing uh, that we're going to have. We got a random knife giveaway that one of you guys are going to win. Uh, we'll probably pick that out for next week's show because I got it right here beside me in my hot little hands right gotta now. Got to do it. Got to do it. Yep. So that's going to go down next week. Give it away, give um, it away. Give it away now. Yes, sir. Uh, if you're $10 and above, we got some firearms related stuff that you can win. Uh, truthfully, if you're giving us five, give us 10, dude, and get up there because you're going to, you're going to have to, you're going to meet your FFL. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying this year, we're giving gun stuff away that requires a, 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 an FFL. Uh, Sean came up with the number last week. I'll roll with it. hundred people, uh, $10 and above. And we're going to pick a random name to win this rifle. So tell your friends, probably make a couple of videos, put those out, show you the rifle, show you all the parts, show you how awesome it is, and let you be a part of it. All right. Dude, think about it. One out of 100. You've got a one in 100 chance of, of picking up that gun for 10 bucks. That's yeah. awesome. One out of 100 chance of winning a rifle is probably worth about fifteen to $1,700. Yeah. And it's made with premium stuff. Yeah. If you want to do a GoFundMe, you can go ahead. Our GoFundMe, of course, is the second is for everyone. You can type that in. Help us out a lot. Uh, and uh, PayPal is Simon Says Training at Yahoo. You can do that also. Really appreciate you guys coming out. Listen to us every week. Um, hate that the show cut off a couple of times, but it is what it is. We're doing what we got to do. Hey, I got a, I got a couple more things, right? Oh, go ahead. Today, today's Saturday, what, the 19th? So this is going to air Sunday the 20th. You'll get mm-hmm. this out? Yeah. So that gives you all day Sunday. If, you, if you're hearing the podcast Sunday or Monday morning, um, Monday, I believe midday is when Matador Arms is going to cut off that name this rifle contest with the, the white gun I built. 
So you've cool. got time to enter that. Check out Matador Arms on Facebook and Instagram. You can just comment on on the post either of those two places, and uh, we'll be picking a winner, and you'll get a, a cool little prize package. Snow uh, leopard, snow leopard, no snow that, leopard. That's a guaranteed loser, especially if you're so dumb you don't know how to spell leopard. Snow leopard, snow leopard. <laughs> <laughs> You spelled it like Def Leppard. No Leppard. (laughs) 80s hair metal. It's spelled correctly. Because my spell check didn't say it was spelled incorrectly. Your spell check is drunk. (laughs) Go home. You drunk. Or or you can go to blackbagresources.com. Check out all the parts and accessories I have there. And uh, if you want to build your own, go ahead and do that too. Um, you know what else you can do on blackbagresources.com? You can donate stuff to the diversity shoot by typing in the discount code uh, 2A4E. Yep. And the item you choose will be delivered to us. And again, we can use small items. It doesn't have to be a bank breaker. It, it can be stuff we give away uh, to first-time people that come or putting out swag bags. To give anything. Away. You can you can buy BBR t-shirts, patches, stuff like that. Um that's always great for, for swag bags. If you want to contribute to the next project, you can pick up AR parts. And, and when you put in that coupon code, you'll notice you don't pay shipping because I literally pick it up and put it in Tony's hot little hands at the next event. Yes, sir. So that's what's up. Hey, Sean, you got anything else to say? Because if not, you can take us out of here, bro. I, I'm just, I'm really pleased with my snow rifle. And I, I'm, I'm hoping to get some cool pictures. Because it's snowing here. Snow leopard. I I hope something really bad happens to you. I have you as a friend. Of course it did. It's too late. No, like I I hope hope you're I've become allergic to bacon. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I want you allergic to all meats. Oh, no, no, you didn't. Oh no, you didn't. Oh yeah. With Kevin Dixon, I need a new partner. Kevin Dixie, I need a new partner for the podcast. I just lost Sean. That's fine. Because mm-hmm. at that point, I've got one thing to say to you. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> I'd like to take a minute to talk about High Point Firearms. I purchased my own High Point 40 Cal Smith & Wesson pistol and wrote a review about it on the firearmsinsider.tv. I stand behind every positive word I said in that review. High Point has supported the diversity shoot with swag, hats, t-shirts, and in the last year, carbines. They're an American company with a lifetime warranty on their products and a price that can't be beat. If you want a range gun, a truck gun, or an inexpensive self-defense firearm, you should look into High Point pistols and carbines.